Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news that will alarm parents and grandparents of children who fly, Spirit Airlines put an unaccompanied six-year-old boy on the wrong flight and then made his family drive 160 miles to get him. And Las Vegas Strip Casinos, the kind of generous folks that they are, have raised rates on what was once free parking. Those stories and more next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 1120, we talk about taking selfies while traveling. It's turning out to be a fatal experience for a growing number of those seeking the perfect travel souvenir. At 1135, we're joined by road reporter Clayton Whitehead as we take a look back at the year in travel. Besides discussing some of the challenges of leading tour groups around the world, we'll have a list of our favorite things from the year from the viewpoint of Sports Leisure Vacation staff. Have a notepad ready because our favorites include a ton of great tips for you to enjoy when you hit the road. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning and it's time for the last 2023 edition of the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, the last edition for 2023. Thanks for coming along. Be sure to tell your friends about us and join us next year. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And uh, so you'll know, you can find us at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, looking forward to the back half of the show and bringing Clayton in for a while. And we're talk about talk to you guys about uh, your experiences on the road, the things you've seen, the places you've eaten the challenges that came about in 2023. Yeah, well, it's uh, when you own a tour company and you take people all over the place for the entire year and your staff takes people all over the place, you're naturally going to have some high moments and probably some low moments too. We'll skip over the low moments, but for high moments, it struck me that some of the places that we go and enjoy with a group of people, are also places that many of our listeners could go and enjoy, whether they were with a group or they were just traveling all by themselves or with their family. So we have quite an array of places to eat and places to stay and things that we did over the course of the year, many of which you can duplicate when you go on out on the road. A few of them are things that you can only do if you're traveling with a group. That's part of the magic that we're able to pull off when we're traveling with folks. But many of them are things that you can do on your own. And you'll perhaps be surprised at the simplicity of some of what our staff consider to be their favorites. And we'll talk a little bit about traveling on the road and what it's like here as we're still in that. I hate to use the word COVID in anything, but it is a a marker, a way to compare what things were like pre-2020 or pre-2019 and what they are like now and everybody's always making that comparison so we'll do that and have some words of wisdom for our listeners who travel in the back half of the program you know i was thinking about what it was like for uh for us for you your company for this radio show back in that 2020 2021 years when you basically were shut down and uh we we had to struggle to find something to talk about uh, on a travel show when nobody was traveling. All I can say is thank God 
for the turnaround and the fact that your little company managed to managed to survive it. So good for you guys. We have an awful lot of really, really loyal travelers who, as soon as they were given the opportunity, showed up on our on our doorstep with their checkbooks in hand. So that made, and not to mention the fact that um, our staff hung around. And you know, there was uh, there there. You can argue that there the government wasted some money during COVID and 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 put a, threw a lot of money around. Some of it didn't necessarily go to the right places. But for small businesses like my own, um, some of that help really made a serious difference. And I suspect that if we if we took a show of hands right now on the radio, we would find that there are a lot of other people out there who own businesses or work for small businesses where um, some of those funds and some of that help had a real impact. Nonetheless, we made it. We're here still talking about travel. And boy, have we got some good stuff to talk about today. All right. At the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the final travel news for 2023, Mark, what do you got for us today? Well, usually the week between Christmas and New Year's is kind of a quiet news week in the travel world, but not quite as much this year. This is a story that came out on Christmas Day. I immediately thought of you, Tom, because you are you've always flying and still do grandchildren, children back and forth to Texas. As we speak. You, you have this unaccompanied minor situation going on with Southwest Airlines. And Times when I saw two. the story of Spirit Airlines uh, a six-year-old boy was flying to visit his grandmother in Fort Myers, Florida, was instead put on a flight to Orlando. Oh, they didn't figure it out. Spirit Airlines never figured it out. When the, when the plane landed in uh, Fort Myers and the little boy wasn't on it, his grandma got kind of panic-stricken. Oh, I would think so. And that's when they figured out that the little boy was gone to Orlando instead of to Fort Myers. You would have thought, you would have thought that even Spirit Airlines – known for not throwing money around, would have, in a situation like this, fallen over themselves backwards to get this little boy back to his grandmother. Not so much. Grandma and company had to make the drive to Orlando to pick the little boy up. Um, Spirit points out that he was in their care, and he was safe with a member of the Spirit team the entire time. Mm -hmm. Well, never mind the fact that you put him on the wrong damn airplane, um, which I would say to you is probably the nightmare of every parent and grandparent that has ever put a kid or a grandkid on a plane unaccompanied. Am I right? Well, that the kid might show up in the wrong place. Yes. You know, but, but uh, for those that have, for those who have not dealt with this, you know, the person taking the child to the, to the airport to fly out has to accompany them all the way to the gate. And all mm-hmm. I can say is the parents or whoever accompanied so them to the gate. Happen? How did they? How did they not be at the right gate? Uh-huh. You know. So. How did the kid have a boarding pass that allowed? If you had to scan it immediately, the machine would have gone beep, beep, beep. Wrong plane, wrong gate, wrong place. Because, wrong idea. Right, because unaccompanied minors, it has to be a no stop. It's, yeah. a, it's a one-way uh, shot to the destination. It can be uh, one that where you, you stay on the plane. You know, you could have a layover, but it's not one that you get off. You stop right. and go. So, yeah, it, it's a little crazy for me. Yeah, I, I, it, 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 a lot of things had to go wrong there. And, um, I, I just, and to me, it would have been, you know what? Let us get God to drive <laughs> your grandson 
um, to you. I mean, you would have thought that they would have. I'm surprised that Spirit does point out that they offered to reimburse the family for hope. the travel costs mm-hmm. to come and get the grandparent, the grandchild. Um, I, I would have had some things to say to Spirit, and you can't say any of them on the radio. Um as you might have already heard, we have seen some huge crowds of people traveling over the holidays. The biggest crowd of the year up to date so far, a record I think that will probably be broken on Monday or Tuesday, uh, came on December 22nd when 2.7 uh, million people came. That's the high water mark so far for Christmas. The, the record was set on the Sunday after Thanksgiving when nearly 3 million people passed through TSA security so um all i can say if you're still to fly yet this weekend um i will be coming home uh to sacramento on monday myself so uh remember parking at the airport is tight um so far so good you can go online before you leave your house which i highly recommend and check out just go smf parking just enter that and it will come up for you you they will it will show you how many spaces are left in each lot which will hypothetically save you a lot of time because you'll be able to go to the lot where there is space when you get to the airport instead of wandering around for half an hour speaking of parking our good friends on the strip in las vegas you know tom for years and years and years Parking was free in Las Vegas on the Strip. Mm-hmm. No matter where you parked or where you went, all those huge parking lots, they were free because, of course, the theory was that you were going to go into one of those buildings and the free part was going to end when you walked through the door. And that's how they would make up their parking revenue. Well, um, parking revenue has indeed become revenue in these days. And it was announced last week without any notice that MGM was raising its prices, eliminating some of the short-term parking options Basically, now it's $18 on weekdays and $23 on weekends uh, to park on the Strip. The the casinos are complaining that the new sphere on the, the Strip, which attracts 17,000 people to performances, is overtaxing the parking of nearby casinos because the sphere itself doesn't have very much parking available. And so, therefore, it's not fair that these people are coming and going to an event at a venue not spending any money in the casino, and the casino is getting ripped off. Oh, so poor babies. They've decided to correct that by charging you for parking soon. Uh, it was announced uh, Vegas casinos will be charging you each time you leave the casino. Um, here's kind of an interesting thing about vouchers. We talked, you know, last week about Southwest Airlines. If you are delayed by, I think it was more than four hours um, you can ask Southwest, and if you ask, they will – part of their settlement with the Department of Transportation requires them to provide you with a $75 voucher on request for delays of four hours or more. One thing they didn't point out that was pointed out this week, when the airlines give out these vouchers, almost always they require you in order to use them to book directly with the airline. You can't book with any third party, a travel agent, any type of online folks because they have no way of processing that credit. So the airlines, in essence, by issuing these vouchers in some ways, are forcing you to come back and do business directly with them because it's the only way that you'll be able to redeem their your voucher. Travelers United pointed that out last week, Tom, and I, I thought it was really an interesting take on their part that they would that that they would bring this up because in essence, um, you think that the airline is handing you uh, cash or at least a check that you can cash just about anywhere, and that would not be the case, of course. 
All right. Um, we've talked a lot about passengers bringing loaded guns to the airports. And indeed, this has continued to happen all throughout the Christmas holiday. Um, we have uh, a number of examples here. On the 22nd of Florida, a man was stopped in the Harrisburg Airport in Pennsylvania. I was just there about a month ago after TSA staff detected a three a 38 caliber handgun in his luggage loaded with seven bullets. Quote, the traveler claimed that he had forgot he had loaded his loaded gun with him, TSA said in a statement. Then on Christmas Eve, a woman from Maryland was stopped at Reagan Airport, uh, National Airport in Washington, after TSA staff noticed the 9mm gun loaded with six bullets in her carry-on. Um, this goes on and on and on and on. Of course, as we mentioned last week, um, this does not go – you don't just get to walk away when something like this happens. Uh, it's documented. You are in some cases held. You have to – some cases the weapon is confiscated. In some cases you can take it back and put it in your vehicle. But, you know, if you're bringing a gun to an airport security checkpoint to, to the airport, I can't imagine why you would do that. We'll talk about that in just a second. But um, there's an naughty in a nice way. The nice way is to make sure it's unloaded, locked in a hard-sided case, and declared at your airline check-in counter, and it's in your check-in bag. Um, the naughty way is to bring it to a checkpoint. And then you're looking at a civil penalty of thousands of dollars. Uh, it was very interesting, Tom. I, I went down the rabbit hole on this. Um, this is a CNN story, and I spent about 30 minutes reading comments that people had left. And, you know, you expect that. This is gun, and gun ownership is a hot topic. And it was very interesting. As I read down these comments, even the folks who are in favor of open carry, um, even the folks who own handguns, not a single one of them. I went through over 800 comments, and literally there were a couple of smart-ass comments, but literally there are all these gun owners saying, you know, I, I own a gun. Uh, this Here's one. I am a fire, firearm owner, also an open carrier, um, 10 years now. Um, every day, everywhere it's legal. These people are morons. Uh, the simple fact is they're criminals. They broke the law. If you're so inattentive that you forget there's a firearm in your bag or can't be bothered to check the bag before you go to the airport, then you shouldn't be carrying a firearm. Um, here's another one. Absolutely no excuse to bring a loaded gun through TSA checkpoints. Then give the excuse, I'm sorry, I forgot my gun was in there. Um, I've owned a gun for the last 20 years. I can't even imagine taking a gun on the air on an airplane. Um, here's another one who says people who bring a gun to a TSA checkpoint ought to receive a minimum of 30 days in jail in addition to any fine. I thought that was pretty well spoken. Wow. If you started telling people that there was a real penalty for showing up, and here's another thing is the TSA said to, to CNN, 92% of the guns they found this year so far have been loaded, 92%. As you go through these comments, you don't find anybody who's a gun owner who stands up for anybody who has a loaded gun that they're taking to the airport, no matter what kind of bag that they've put it in. I mean, imagine that you've got a loaded gun in a checked bag, and they throw it somewhere, and for some reason it goes off. I mean, what could happen, and how could somebody get hurt there? So I just I think we are coming to the point where hopefully our legislators and people who can do something about this, I thought the comment of, you bring a gun to the airport, I don't care whether you knew it was in or not, there or not, you're going to jail. And word gets out about that, I think you'll have a lot fewer guns coming to the airport. And let's close the travel news here with something from Travelers United. Um, their reader's poll from last week says, you up, always upgrade your airline seat or just settle for what you get. 
15% of the people say they get a premium seat automatically because they're a frequent flyer. 26% say they upgrade so they can get an aisle or a window or what they want. 9% say first class. Half the people say they never upgrade. Tickets are expensive enough as it is. They take what they get. And that's your travel news for today. And we are the Travel Guys. Don't forget, TravelGuysRadio.com. Links to our special guests and lots more always there. And by the way, you want to treat yourself to something special before the new year is out, or for that matter, right after the new year, head on over to Rudy's Hideaway right off of uh, Highway 50 in Hazel. They still got that very special Travel Guys special for a limited time. Twenty nine ninety five gets you a six ounce lobster tail dinner with uh, with rice pilaf, fresh vegetables, drawn butter, sourdough bread, and a and a big smile from the fine people that work there. It's uh, if you got folks from out of town, this would be a great place to take them and show off what Sacramento has to offer. Once again, it's the Travel Guys Special, six ounce lobster tail, and all the fixings at Rudy's Hideaway. Once again, Highway Fifty and Hazel. All right, Mark, you know, I don't know about you. I I sometimes forget I even have a camera in my hand when I'm holding my cell phone where other people have that cell phone turned to camera mode and they're taking selfies everywhere all the time and sometimes in very dangerous situations. Yeah, uh, increasingly in dangerous situations. When I'm out traveling, sometimes sometimes it can be a nuisance. You know, the person's standing and trying to get the perfect selfie, and you'd like to walk down the sidewalk, but you're trying to be polite and let them get their picture, and they're fiddling and trying to get it just right, and sometimes you stand there and you wait for a while, and sometimes you just decide, well, you know, um, sorry, dude, but I'm going to walk in front of you anyway. The problem with this is that increasingly these people who take selfies are putting themselves in a lot of danger, and sometimes the people with them. You know, sometimes they're trying to a selfie involves a couple of people and usually there's a special background item that their landmark that they're trying to get or the ocean or something like that and i've seen people stand on really precarious parts of of ground where there isn't a whole lot of protection and to try to get this perfect picture whereas if they just slipped or a rock gave away or something they could be like the lady who was leaning against the railing on uh, Royal Caribbean, and she fell 10 stories. Luckily, they fished her out of the ocean within 45 minutes. She was very, very lucky. Man at Machu Picchu who was trying to get the best shot, he slipped and fell, and it led to his death. Increasingly, people will try to take these shots near traffic, and they will lose their balance or something and find themselves falling in front of a moving vehicle that had no idea that to expect somebody was doing something goofy that left them off balance and not paying attention in an unfamiliar place, and they fell and hurt themselves. So really and truly, you've got to be careful if you're doing the selfie thing when you're out there. This tends to apply more to younger people than it does to older people. Before you stop to take a selfie, check out your surroundings. Uh, Ned Levy from Travelers United had uh, a great article on this and some great tips that I want to share. There's just three little selfie rules they all have to do with respect. He says, respect others' safety. Bad enough to stupidly put yourself in danger by selfie. It's unconscionable to endanger others. So you're asking somebody else who isn't really paying attention either to stand with you and take a photo in a spot that, well, maybe you might not should have been standing or you should have been a little bit more aware of your surroundings. Respect for wildlife. 
Uh, the lady in Yellowstone who got gored last year and she survived. Guy in a bull run in, in Spain was not quite so lucky. He got gored and didn't survive. Um, wildlife. Think about it. Wildlife. Um, keep your distance. You don't want to be in their habitat or you don't want to cause a problem for them because then maybe they don't come back to that place and other people can't take pictures of them. And also, you don't want to be hurt by wildlife. And finally, respect for yourself. If you're getting ready to create a selfie, you've got to think about what you might be the situation you might be putting yourself into um, because increasingly it's leading to caskets for people. So I, I just a little bit of wisdom here when it comes to selfies on the road, have a great time, but just take a few seconds before it, when you're setting up that selfie and not only look at the background, but look at the foreground and look at the underground mm-hmm. under your feet, because that's someplace that you need to, to look at, too. OK, also another couple of quick things here to make you a smarter traveler. Um, be careful about news reports. Last week, here's the headline. Blizzard sparks major to flight delays at Southwest Airlines' busiest airport. There were a few snow flurries in Denver for a couple of days this past week, and it caused some delays. On the day that this article was written, they put up all this bluster. Turned out there had been 23 cancellations that day. Most of them were SkyWest, which is United's commuter carrier in Denver. One of the 23 was Southwest. So um, talk about your clickbait. So just be careful when you're looking at things like that, um, that the headline itself, read the read the first paragraph besides the headline. And finally, at TravelGuysRadio.com, we have put up an interactive map. Uh, this shows the world's most dangerous countries to visit and uh, gives you a little bit of a warning, has a little bit of a color code. There are lots of these kinds of things, but if you're thinking about an international adventure next year and it's just in the planning stages, this would be a good place to start. We'll show you at least what one company's survey showed about the safety of a destination that you might want to visit. Travelguysradio.com. We're joined by Clayton Whitehead with Sports Leisure Vacations. want to take some time and talk about, you know, traveling with a – what it's like to be traveling since post-COVID. I've heard the phrase COVID revenge more than once, and it didn't come from me to begin with, about what, uh, you know, people wanting to get out so pent up for such a long time, and I'm I'm one of those people, and I've talked to a lot of people that fall into that category, and I'm sure that uh, Mark and Clayton has as well. Let's uh, Let's talk about that. Clayton, you've uh, been out on the road a lot this year, this past year, both domestically and internationally. Um, and most of the time you've had 25, 30 people in tow. Um, the po- folks who are listening to the program, I'm sure there are some who not only travel with you, but who, tra- who, who enjoy group travel, but probably a lot of folks who travel, who still travel independently. And sometimes I tell people that the challenges that we face on the road are oftentimes the same types of challenges that they will find when they get out there. What is what is post-COVID travel been like for you over the past year? Well, it's been a real adventure. Um, I uh, I've been all all across our continent, uh, Canada included. I've been to Greece. I've been to Ireland. Um, been to Germany. I uh, I love Tom's uh, phrase about revenge. I had not heard that until today, and I think that. That perfectly describes what I sense. There's there's this urgency. The, everyone seems ramped up. The people who are traveling seem ramped up, and the people who are providing us services seem ramped up. Of course, a lot of the latter are still extremely stressed 
in every continent I've visited by a lack of help. I mean, we aren't unique here in California or America saying, where did everybody go? Because we see help wanted signs everywhere. Throughout Greece, it was the same way. Um, Everything just seems so ramped up. There are so many people out, I think, still making up for the time and the opportunities they lost during the period of COVID. And uh, it, it still is putting a lot of strain and stress on the system. And um, I feel it. I sense it. I see it in the eyes of my fellow tour operators. Um, is this something that's permanent or something that you think will ultimately go away? I hope it's not permanent. I mean, I have to believe that the system will right itself. Eventually, everybody will get where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And then they will have been there. And then they can go back home. But do you think there's a possibility that people may have reordered travel? We We travel generally... With, a, with mature travelers, with senior travelers, folks who are retired or close to it. And I sense from them that since COVID, there is this, not only did they lose a year or two to travel, and let's face it, when the older you get, the fewer years you have left on the calendar. So um, if you lost some travel years, there, there certainly is a need to be able to make, the, make up for that time, perhaps travel more often. But what Tom is referring to kind of as revenge travel I think is more in the the pre-65, the unretired crowd. Exactly. And I definitely read some of the industry trends, even though I work primarily with uh, mature adults. You know, I read the trends about Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, Gen whoever, whatever they call themselves. I don't know. But younger people are definitely prioritizing travel in a very different way. Uh, I think people of my own generation, I just turned 60, and, um, uh, you know, Travel was something we were going to do when we retired. That's right. kind of the way I was raised. Save your money, and when when then you'll have more time, right? And you'll be able to go places and see things. And I think that was pretty much the ideology of maybe somebody who is fifty right now, or even forty right now. But when you start getting into the younger years, you know they just the, the younger generation just have very different sensibilities. They have different sensibilities about their future, about savings, about. Charitable giving. I mean, every aspect of their life is different, and travel falls into that. And, you know, in this particular case, God bless them. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. If, if, if a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old is prioritizing travel as a, as a, as a, as a, as a goal, as an ideal, as a, as, as a must-have, you know, as essential as food and electricity, well, that's good for the industry, and that's good for me. I think that's good for the future. But right now, that is adding to the stress on the system. It's often said by by ex- experts, quotes around both ends of that, that and I, I tend to agree with this, that we wait to travel until we have the money and the time, and then the travel doesn't have as much impact on your life or your lifestyle. Because let's face it, if you're traveling to someplace and you're 70 years old and you get to stand on the top of Crazy Horse Mountain and it impacts you in some way or you get to go stay in a castle in Ireland and it it impacts you in some way, you have fewer years for that to play out and impact your life. So younger people traveling, to my point, might be that they have more years for this to impact. And it may very well be that COVID has change the way that they look at things and that they've reordered travel because they are giving it a higher importance in how they live the rest of finding out about how other people live 
in the currently or in the past would have a lot more impact on their lives in the future. I definitely believe the best way to world peace is through travel. You don't drop bombs on your friends. What has been the biggest challenge for you on the road over the last year? I would say just in general, suppliers, be at a hotel, a restaurant, or whatever, that's understaffed. Yeah. I have I have been a bellman more times in the last 365 days than I have in the previous 30 years of my career. And it's not because we were cha- staying in cheap flea bags. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the Hiltons. It was the Marriott's, but it was places without adequate staff to get the job done. So I was out schlepping bags. So I guess the, the point to make to folks who don't travel in groups, who travel individually, is that we are still in a situation where you have to take your patience with you on the road. Because if you're expecting everything to immediately fall into place and there to be no lines and no waiting and everything to be perfect, we're we're not... Yeah, you should have done that 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, shifting. Yes, Tom. I would just wanted to let folks know if you're just dialing in and uh, running across our show for the first time or, or just for today, it's Mark Hoffman, Clayton Whitehead, Tom Romano. We are the Travel and Entertainment Guys. I just wanted to jump in real quick and ask uh, Clayton, who has spent quite a bit of time uh, overseas and, and on the road here, this uh, especially the last half of the year. I wanted to know about how your travelers, those that you're taking on tour, are responding this time around. I would imagine a lot of them are people that have traveled with you before. Uh, are they are they really enjoying themselves as much as they used to? Or do they seem to be more in a hurry to have a good time? Oh, wow. Um, that's a compelling question. And I guess I'd have to say a little bit of both. I mean, in some cases, some of my clients have been really, really ramped up, <laughs> like uh, like the people I've been kind of talking about in general. Uh, for the most part, though, I have to say that um, they're taking it all in stride and they're just trying to have a good time. I think one example is uh, my last day in Greece back in October. We took a catamaran out and we sailed around Santorini. And I had half my group who jumped off the boat into the Mediterranean just because they could. <laughs> and I just thought I never would have dreamt that I was going to take a sports leisure group out in the Mediterranean and we were going to jump off the boat. And we did <laughs> just great. because we could. Mm-hmm. And it, we were in no rush. And it was a beautiful day. And the Hopefully water everybody was, got back onto the boat. <laughs> oh, God, the water was really, really cold. You didn't stay in very long. But, you know, we had awesome bragging rights for the like two or three weeks following. Mm-hmm. It's like, what were you doing last week? Oh, well, I went swimming in the Mediterranean. That's inter- that's that's perfect way to make the transition here to the other topic I wanted to discuss um, about the past year. And that it, when you talk about bragging rights, I think some of the reasons that people buy package, one of the reasons that people buy package travel is because they don't want to miss that really cool thing. They don't want to miss the thing that maybe they didn't hear about or didn't know about in their counting that on the fact that the tour company that they're traveling with will have picked up on those things. You talk about bragging rights, and I I asked our staff for some of the things over the course of the year that that they would consider to be real highlights. And I think some of those fit into bragging rights categories. For example, um, one of our tour directors, um, Rosemary, said, standing face-to-face with Crazy Horse. Going up on the mountain, not being down on the on the ground like most people look at it, but going up on the mountain in a Jeep and standing on the mountain and looking at that incredible 
carving on the mountain. When you come home and you talk to your friends who have also been to the Black Hills, um, that they will say, uh, oh, yeah, it was wonderful, and we saw Mount Rushmore, and we saw the light show at night and everything, and you can say, yeah, but we went up on the mountain. And so that becomes bragging rights. When we took some folks a few weeks ago to see uh, Barry Manilow in concert, do some charity concerts in Southern in Palm Springs, we had two live two groups, and I got to go to the concert each night. And to say that those folks were positively floating out of the theater would not be an understatement. When they went home, I'm certain that they had bragging rights. When their friends asked, how was the trip to Palm Springs and how was the concert? I'm sure they floated right up in the air and answered the question. So that's one of the things that we try to provide people. Um, can you think of, of any things over the course of the year that you did that that would be in, fit into that bragging rights category? I have to tell you, Mark, one of there, there were a lot of things that led me into a career of travel, but not the least of them was my freshman year in college, December 1981, when I went to New York City for the first time and saw my first real Broadway show, show, Jerry Orbach in the lead of 42nd Street. And I walked out of that theater and I looked up at the moon and I raised my fist toward heaven in Scarlett O'Hara fashion. And I said, as God is my witness, every year for the rest of my life, I'm going to repeat this. I'm going to see Broadway on Broadway. And with the exception of the two years of COVID, I've done it every single year since. Broadway is my magic place. It's my happy place. Um, this year, I saw t- Tony Award-winning shows. I saw Christian Borel, who's one of my favorites. I saw um, Mr. Gee and uh, the two Tony winners, uh, Best Men in Musicals. A dream comes true for me on The Great White Way. Uh, last year, I saw Leah Michelle do Funny Girl. It was amazing. I saw Carol Channing live three times on Broadway. Uh, Broadway's my happy place, and it's my magical place, and it's where I get my bragging rights. I found this year, for some reason, I happened to run into several um, African-American experiences on the road. And by that, I would say um, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on Route 66, and we had a tour of the area that was known as Black Wall Street before it was burned in the 1920s, and there was a huge story there. I went to Selma, Alabama, and met some of the people who for years have been part of the voting rights battle uh, down in there. On Route 66, also in Springfield, we stopped at a little place where a a lady of color explained to us that for people of color traveling Route 66, it was a much different experience than it was for white travelers on the old highway. So I kind of found that completely by accident, that I got immersed in a number of things that caused me to take a little bit of a look at who I was and, you know, that that in some cases I'm a very privileged person as opposed to some of the other people who were trying to do, in essence, the same thing or maybe just get to work one day. Um, So that was fascinating. A lot of the – when I asked my staff for places that – by the way, that's called History of the Route – in Springfield, Illinois, was the um, African-American experience. And the tour of Black Wall Street in Tulsa was something that we set up. But you can go to Tulsa and do your own self-guided tour of Black Wall Street, and it's pretty fascinating. Um, a lot of the experiences that some of our, t- our tour directors mentioned had to do with natural things that just occurred. Um, one of my best memories was seeing a bear cub up over the top of Hurricane Ridge in Olympic National Park in Washington State uh, in August, 
and being reminded that um, when people said, oh, a bear cub, oh, let's get a picture. And they were kind of trying, starting to inch closer than the 100 or so feet we were from the cub and having to remind people that um, where there's a bear cub, there's probably a mommy bear somewhere nearby. Mm-hmm. And you do not want to be perceived as threatening her baby in any way, shape, or form. So be careful. Um, one tour director shared that travelers hand-feeding reindeer at a reindeer farm in Goldendale, Washington – was a real treat to be up close and personal to uh, to reindeer. Um, a couple of whales were breaching next to our boat on the way to Catalina Island in November. Uh, orcas, uh, talking about whales going up in the San Juan Islands and taking all-day cruises up there on a private yacht that was just for sports leisure travelers and being to see, and getting a chance to see orca whales in the San Juan Islands. Um, Scott Angeletti told me that the Northern Lights in Alaska last spring with our group were the best ever. If you go to Alaska to see Northern Lights, if you give yourself three consecutive nights, the chances of seeing the lights are about 85%. So make sure that if you're spending all that money and buying all that winter gear to go up to Alaska, that you don't just go up and find a spot and, and stay for one night. Make sure you do your homework and stay for multiple nights. Some of the things that our that our tour directors mentioned were things that had to do with with food. Um, one said the best custard they ever ate was at Ted Drew's on Route 66 in St. Louis, Missouri. So if you go to St. Louis, and even if you don't know what you're talking about or what you're doing, ask your relatives who live there. Just tell them, I want to go to get some Ted Drew's custard. They'll know where to take you. Um, in Santa Barbara, if you go down there, and you stay – we stay at a place called the uh, Harbor View um, Lodge, um, which is right up on – close to the water there. has two places to stay, an older building and a newer building, depending on what kind of atmosphere and amenities that you're looking for. And if you go to Santa Barbara and you stay at the Harbor View, make sure that you go to Janine's for breakfast. Actually, if you go to Santa Barbara for any reason, make sure that you go to Janine's for breakfast. <laughs> They have okay. the, I'm not a huge breakfast guy. They have the best breakfasts in the world, and we've had groups come back two years in a row and tell us that. So I, w- I would say that's probably good information. Um, if you go to Santa Barbara, this is kind of a, a, a dumb commercial thing. There's a boat that will take you both into the water and do a little bit of a land tour. It's called the Land Shark, and it's gotten rave reviews two years in a row. It's something you can buy a ticket to. If you're in Santa Barbara by yourself, it's called the Land Shark. Um, Clayton, any do any culinary things jump out at you from over the year? Any favorites or any places you discovered this year? Uh, I <laughs> I can't think of anything. I'm sorry, that was I'm just sorry. completely out but of the blue. I, I did have an, a hotel thing I was going to mention. Okay, uh, uh, last December and again this coming December, not this month. Um, I did a trip to Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, in the month of December, so we could see the Biltmore House all decorated for the season. But we stayed at the inn on Biltmore Estate, and it is just so nice. And the staff was so nice. And there were a lot of bellmen, and they were so nice. <laughs> the inn at Biltmore. The, the inn at Biltmore Estate, and it's right on grounds beautifully decorated uh-huh i mean it's it maybe it's not on par with the mansion but it's pretty darn close you take groups to new orleans every year do you have a, a hotel there's lots of hotel choices in new orleans 
you've been staying in the same spot, haven't you, for a few years? Do you have a spot down there to recommend? Oh, wow. I love New Orleans. I always say at the Sheraton because I think it's best suited for groups. But if I was an individual going to New Orleans, I'd stay at one of the small inns or B&Bs in the quarter and be right in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, a family, uh, a Val- the Valentino family, that have a number of small boutique hotels that are scattered throughout the quarter. Uh, they're far enough off bourbon to be quiet, but close enough that you can get there in a short walk. You know, that reminds me of my favorite hotel of the year probably was the Inn at Gettysburg, which um, is a very small property that's had a beautiful redo, and it's right on the square in Gettysburg. So we were there for Christmas activities, and, you know, there were carolers singing and bands playing and all kinds of things happening literally right outside our door, sometimes on the porch of the hotel. So, you know, when you're when you're traveling, location when it comes to accommodations are really important. In New York, we stay at the Marriott Marquis Hotel right in Times Square. Does it cost more money? Yes, it does. But how much money do you spend and how much time do you waste getting to places that you could walk to? If you stayed in, you can walk to the theater at night and walk home. And what is that worth, that experience in Times Square? That's the thing. Wasted time. Time is money. Time is better than money. And you don't want to waste time sitting in a taxi or an Uber. I want to thank you, sir, for your time today and your recollections of uh, the past year. I hope uh, to our listeners we have offered you a few ideas, things that you might be able to use when you are out on the road. A lot of people are still traveling. We are noticing airfares and hotel rates as we book in advance seem to be moderating some, not so much with restaurant prices yet, but that's just one point of view. Tom? Well, I'll tell you, Mark, I'm sitting here and I'm drooling over all the great food and and fun that you guys have experienced. And, uh, you know, I think I picked the wrong career. (laughs) And I thought of my best meal of the year. Yes, sir. And I should have thought of it sooner because I do it almost every year. Ten seconds. Turtle soup at Court of Two Sisters in New Orleans. It is the best soup in the world. Does it really have turtles in it? Oh, yeah, a lot of other good stuff. Oh, goodness, 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 goodness. All right, um, that wraps up another edition here of The Travel Guys. We've kind of taken you a little bit around the planet and told you a little bit about our high points in 2023. We'll see you on the road in 2024. Remember to dance like nobody's watching.